0: <laughs> got to go through these solutions again. <laughs> okay. Are we good? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great American Dynasty podcast. Episode 7. Um, a little bit somber. Somber mood coming into this. A little upset. Actually majorly upset. Um, you know. Antone first came back after a, I want to say, significant amount of time on the IL, Um, a lot longer than we would have liked it to be. Um, You know, we were really, at least from a fan's perspective, I was really hoping that right forearm strain meant tightness that just needed rest and then would be fine but now we are looking where, at least in my eyes, I mean, that looked really, really, really bad. Yeah, um,
1: especially when he tried to push through it. Um, you you could tell he was in some serious pain. Um, it It's so deflating. Just five pitches in, the coming back from – however long it was it it's so just deflating because he's such a cornerstone in that bullpen for us um you know and, and up to that point in the game I mean we were playing so well I mean we had a four to one lead um going into the bottom of the seventh um obviously um Lorenzen came in, struggled.
0: Um, you
1: know, we kind of get out of that. And then Antone comes in, and it's just uh, – I, I really can't put into words just how how disappointing it is just to lose someone of that caliber at this point in the season – you know probably for good. And then you know, maybe even further down the line because who knows how long this is gonna take now, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, we just this team has you know shown that they they can fight through uh losses like this. Um so on on the brighter side maybe they continue to fight. And, you know, that, I think that's, you know, the sort of magic that is being in the position that we are right now, being a game up on the wild card and, you know, being only, you know, eight, eight games back of the division.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, just super, that injury just super deflating because, um, You know, like you said, he is one of the, you know, the cornerstones of that bullpen. To where, you know, earlier in the year, it seems like no matter what happened with the fluctuation of the rest of the bullpen, or the rest of even the starters for that matter, it seemed like in a close situation or when we needed somebody to get a strikeout or outs in general, he was one of the few guys that we could throw out there, and it seemed like. He was always getting those outs. Um, you know, it didn't matter the situation, whatever. Um, so it is very disappointing. But um, on the bright side, like you said, this team is super resilient. Like, I mean, this has happened before, you know, um, like Nick Cassianos early in the year. Um, the same, um, let's just say, same player that brings that energy to the team. You know, he is, when he's on the mound, I feel like there's a different feel than some of the other guys. Like, um, yes, I believe in Sessa. Yes, I believe in Givens. But, like, ultimately, it seems like no matter um, how casual of a fan you are or how, like, diehard of a fan you are of the Reds, like, you want T.J. Anton to, to succeed. Um, and it sucks so bad that injuries, especially in his throwing arm, are really holding him back from being that top-of-the-line reliever. Um, you know, like, he was charged with an earned run tonight, and it increased his ERA to 2.14. Like, you know. It sucks to see somebody that you want to succeed so bad get held back by something that they cannot control. Um, and, you know, but exactly like you said, team's resilient. So let's hope that moving forward, um, those trade deadline additions really do help, um, you know, and especially like we Uh, We brought up earlier, you know, you're looking at this bullpen from, you know, last month, literally a month ago. And now you're looking at it now and you're like completely different. You've got, so this is from July 23rd. This is the active bullpen on July 23rd. Hembry, Brock, Osich, RJ, Edgar Garcia, Sean Doolittle, Ryan Hendricks, and Santayon. Just a little preview. Two of those names are the same in our current bullpen that are Garrett and The other are Hoffman, Sessa, Wilson, Sims, Givens, Lorenzen, and Anto. So, you know, really it's awesome that we had those trade deadline additions and – this is the situation where they've, you know, you got to show now because somebody's going to make up those innings. Absolutely,
1: those, those those acquisitions really come in handy now. Um, I mean, because who the hell even are some of those guys uh, <laughs> on that first list? You know, um, obviously, Henry Brock, Osich had some pretty solid contributions uh, while, you know, guys like Antunes, guys mm-hmm. like Antone Sims, Lorenzen were out, but it, it really is, you know, just a testament to how much uh, this, this team can take and sort of keep moving forward. Um, so, you know, just got, we just got to adjust again. You know, we've adjusted all year. Um, It's just another one of those things where it's a gut punch, but you got to get back up and you got to keep moving forward in this playoff race.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, at the end of the day, sucks. We lost one game, but it really feels like we lost two or three. But at the end of the day, you still look at the standings and – L.A. still has a 3 nothing lead in the top of the eighth inning against San Diego, and we could still be in a playoff spot, the sole holder of that second playoff spot come the end of tonight. Um, so, just like you said, at the end of the day, you just got to get back up and do it again. Um, so, ultimately, I think both of us, And most fans really do have faith, but it just sucks to see, see that happen to such a guy. Um, And I don't know if you saw his interview before the game talking about Jim Day. He didn't interview with Jim Day. um, And he was talking about how excited he was to like get back and get with the team and like, you know, help push for the playoffs and, It just sucks to see such a likeable figure go down like that. And, you know, really, like you said before, it could be a significant amount of time now because now you have no idea if something's like torn, if something major that requires surgery, you know, that could really put him back in a timeline that maybe could even affect years to come if it nags on. Um, but like you said still in playoff race still got two games against the brewers so the series is not completely thrown in the trash whatsoever like one game happened we lost whatever and like we kind of said before i don't think that they we played bad whatsoever um yeah you would you'd really like the bullpen not to give up those runs, but for what it's worth, if for what it's worth, I think the Brewers just hit the ball when they needed to. And that sucks to say, cause we lost, but sometimes things just go their way and they don't go ours.
1: Right. And, uh, I mean, anytime you make Corbin Burns look human, I mean, there, there's a positive to take out of that. Um, you know, had bases loaded in the fourth, got three runs out of it. Um, got another run in the sixth. But, yeah, when the when the bullpen kind of took over, um, you know, Lorenzen just kind of – he got out of the sixth, but um, – you could you can make an argument maybe he shouldn't have been out there for the seventh i don't know but um it's really tough um it's really tough to tell but overall um and then that colton wong uh home run in the eighth just absolutely deflating when you were down only by one run now let's go ahead and just start the Colton Wong Disrespector club right now. I hate I hate
0: Colton Wong <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's uh there's certain guys and maybe this is just um, some bias. In in us but I think everybody can agree there are certain guys that just kill the Reds I mean they just absolutely kill the Reds and yeah like the one example that at least I will always go back to is like Pujols was always a great great hitter that's like not a um, like a debate when he was in his prime you know all those years with the Cardinals like he was easily best hitter, if not top two, three, four in baseball. But, I mean, he was hitting like 500 against us. He was hitting a home run every, it seemed like, two or three at-bats. And, you know, an, another guy that I, I'll cry until the cows come home, Ian Hap. Always – Kills the Reds. Uh, Schwarber was that way too. Killed the Reds. Ian Happ isn't hitting above 200 this year. And somehow, he he comes alive. I just don't get it. Um, You know, and again, maybe that's just the bias, but at the end of the day for me at least, I – There will always be that guys that I just cannot stand. And Colton Wong has been added to the list officially. Um, Maybe even uh, Eduardo Escobar earlier in the year. And it seemed like he was, you know, he got traded at the deadline for a reason. He was playing really well. But, I mean, it seemed like when you look at the box score after every uh, every game the Reds played the Diamondbacks, it seemed like he was two for four, three for four every game.
1: Jackie Bradley Jr., for some reason, even though he's batting 174, I mean, that, you could probably look it up right now. He's probably batting about 300
0: against the Reds. I That's mean, just so crazy that that happens, and – you know, it's it's another thing of like it will never change. There's always guys that are gonna hit better, pitch better, just play better in general in certain certain ballparks. But good lord, he is killing us. So moving on then, we have Mob announced in 2022. The Reds are playing the Cubs at the Field of Dreams in Iowa. Um, You know, I want to go so very badly. Uh, I know tickets will be very, very, very expensive. um, Especially based on this year's ticket prices. But, and how, like, how, well, that did how well that was received. They can only go up, but I mean that's just awesome to hear as Reds fan.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, especially when you think about you know the impact that it had uh, on the ratings for uh, the White Sox and the Yankees and the exposure that it gave both teams. You know, even though those are big market teams. Um, they saw a pretty big uh, impact in terms of, you know, national exposure and um, just overall a, a pretty big ratings boost uh, as well. And there's something to be said about, you know, playing on a big stage and that sort of, you know, upping your mentality in terms of, you know, just performance in general and, um, So, you know, it's it's pretty big, um, especially for us, you know, uh, not a big market team um, against, you know, the Cubs who are in a big market. Yes, but uh, not looking so hot for them right now. Um, So hopefully, you know, we can we can pick up a win there uh, for next year, but, um, yeah, overall, just a really, really big, um, impact, uh, on next year and something really to look forward to.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, I just can't wait to see the Reds play on Fox prime time. You know, everybody's watching, put our best product out there. And think if we get this whole team back and it's as electric as it is this year, next year in that game, and just like you said, the Cubs are not sitting in a good spot right now. Um, you know, they've got they've got guys coming up from the minor leagues that nobody's ever heard of in their life, and they are at that point in the rebuild process where it's the first step. Everybody just got traded. You know, next year is probably going to be more of the same with that. And it's going to be awesome to let's at least cross our fingers and hope that the Reds can actually perform very, very um, well and exciting and bring a lot more attention to Cincinnati. Um, and You know, who knows? We may be like the White Sox after their Field of Dreams game, just like you said, where everybody was talking about the White Sox, how good the White Sox are, how they're going to win the World Series, how they've got such a big lead in division. You know, everybody's – the White Sox were in everybody's mouths. And I really um, am looking forward to at least getting the opportunity to play on a national stage in prime time. you know, and – I'll just compare it to like, um, like when um, the NFL plays in like England. You know, it's it's the only game on at that time. It's, it's the only game you can watch because early in the morning or earlier in the morning. So you want to be that team where all eyes are on you. You know, you've got that popularity. You have that attention. You have all those things going for you, and I think it can make you play much, much better or at least uh, try to achieve those expectations that are put on you. So looking at the schedule, we still have these two games against against um Milwaukee. And then looking forward like, like we've said before, this is – the Reds have an easier schedule. And I think we really have to take advantage of that. Um, Like we said last week when we were talking about it, I think we were at the point where if we were at the same spot where we were last week, we were going to be in trouble because we had some games where – like the Marlins series, where we, we had to – um come out and be rock solid, and that's exactly what happened. You know, four games, sweep, complete sweep. So that put us in the second wild card spot. And this is the point where also, you know, you play the Brewers for two more games, then you travel to Miami, play the Marlins, and then you've got uh, St. Louis. But San Diego, I mean, they're playing the Dodgers right now. They're playing easily top two team in baseball right now. So at this point, I really am. I've gotten to the point where I'm looking forward to um, getting deeper in this season and not being afraid of what, what can go wrong for us. Um, You know, Anton goes down. Yeah. Sucks. But ultimately we are still in this race and we're in a really good spot because the Dodgers are now up five to nothing, so it seems like let's say let's just count that as a as a win for the Dodgers. We're still the sole holder of that second wild card spot, and if you can play average baseball coming down the stretch, I think San Diego has such a tough schedule that they need to be great to win that second wild card spot now because they do have to play LA and then they do have to play um, uh, the angels and then the diamondbacks, but then you're going back again to a series against Houston and then you're finishing off the season in LA again. So those last Um, in between the Houston and final Dodger series, they play Anaheim for two games, but in your last 8 games you're facing two two teams one of them's got almost 80 wins right now so i really think that we have we're in, we put ourselves in a really good spot because now we can get to the point where i mean mustakas is out of his slump at least uh, for the time being um, you know he was on an o for our 26 streak and it, it really showed, um, you know, when we were playing the Cubs. But ultimately, I think we're hitting all the right buttons at the right time, and we have been, especially in that Marlins series, that we've put ourselves in such a good position moving forward that if we just play average and we we win the games we're supposed to, that this is we're really going to be we're in that, that playoff spot.
1: I mean, you said it, Uh, you, you hit the nail right on the head. Um, You know, we've, we've put ourselves in a really good position. Um, We've got the Marlins again uh, coming up uh, this weekend uh, in Miami. Uh, That's something to look forward to. Um, We've got the Cardinals after that. And then, We've got a struggling Tigers team. You know, they're at the bottom of their division. You know, following that up, we've had some trouble with the Cubs uh, this past week. We dropped two uh, to them. that will be at Wrigley. Um, You know, uh, you can't – in my opinion, if we do – just sort of end up dropping out. That's something that you've got to look back on and say, wow, that was a missed opportunity. Um, but, you know, you have uh, plenty, you still have plenty more opportunities to make up that ground. Like I said, you've got another opportunity after that. You've got a series um, the following week in September against the Pirates. Um I mean, you've got six games total uh, remaining against the Pirates. Um, you've got a four-game series against the Nationals. There are plenty of, you know, games against, you know, lower-tier teams that are just ripe for the taking. And um, – like you said, San Diego has a much stronger strength of schedule. Um, You know, that makes me very confident that uh, we can at least take that wild card spot. Um, You know, but obviously I want more. And I think, you know, taking two games this series uh, would be really beneficial uh, in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, Milwaukee's got a pretty tough strength of schedule coming up, too. So that'll be something to look at and watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, Milwaukee heads to San Francisco for four games. I mean, San Francisco surprised the world, but I I love to see that Milwaukee's going out there and playing San Francisco. And then they play um, the Phillies to end the year where – to me the phillies are super hot and they've you know caught some steam and the mets are bad right now they are bad so you know the phillies are only one game over 500 but at the end of the day if you're facing a hot team and you're running into a hot team if they can stay hot i have full faith that we we got a shot we got a good shot And if, if this team, you know, just like you said, you know, play up to expectations, maybe you can play, you don't have to play awesome, but you just can't play bad. And just like you said, it's really, if we, if we miss out on a playoff spot, the second wild card, it's really going to feel like a missed opportunity. If, if, especially if we're the ones dropping the games, um, you know, if if San Diego just plays lights out from now until the end of the year, and let's say they hardly lose, yes, I can I can understand if it's a tight playoff race going down the stretch. But if San Diego is going five hundred, I expect us to get at least to a three 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 and a half game lead heading into that last series, maybe two series, and. I can say that with a lot, a lot of confidence, but you know, at at the, uh, at the end of the day, you can never really, let's just say predict what's going to happen, but we've got such a, a good chance to really push our, push ourselves forward in this race and really just catapult ourselves into a really good spot. Um, but I do want to bring up one other thing, because we brought up the Mets, and I just said that, and I remembered this. I'm sure everybody saw it too, but that video of Javi Baez, I just cannot even fathom. I mean, that happened in a big league game. I, I I was honestly like, I laughed. I laughed very, very hard at that. He was so far out in front of that ball. It,
1: it wasn't even funny. I mean, what what was he thinking?
0: The, the mean, ball barely reached the point where the grass meets the dirt. And his bat head was pretty much pointed towards the pitcher. Um, you know, I can yeah, everybody's looked foolish every once in a while, but holy shit. I mean, that was a new level. I've never seen anything that bad. Never.
1: I mean, yeah, it, it's big league pitching, you know. It it's a totally different ball game than, you know, something like you know, little league or high school level, but I mean, it's also a big league hitter. <laughs> I mean, they're yeah. they're used to seeing th- these types of you know pitches and and the type of stuff that guys have. I mean, just just how
0: how <laughs> <laughs> that's that was so crazy to me. And uh, you know, a stat that I really, um, you know, I thought was very, very interesting. Um, maybe not interesting, because to me, I think it's very, um, let's just say, prevalent in his game. But, so, you're looking at this, and he struck out 146 times, and he's only walked 17 times. Um And, you know, it's on par for him because in 2018 and 2019, when he was an all-star and he finished second in MVP voting in 2018, he struck out 167 times and only walked 29 times. So this year, for every walk he takes, he is taking... Eight and a half strikeouts for every walk he takes. If um, if you needed a explanation on that stat, that's horrendous. I mean, that's easily worst in the league for guys that play on a regular basis. Um, I don't even know if Adam Dunn was that bad. Adam Dunn struck out a lot, but at least he walked... Uh I mean even Same could be said for Jay Bruce Sometimes like yeah he Fair share of strikeouts but at least He got on base and walked
1: we, we harp on it so much But I mean it goes back To that example you always bring up of You know Fernando Tatis you know He makes So many errors in the field But you don't see him striking out 150 times a year Um And, you know, Javi Baez is really an overrated defender, too. So, it – how is this guy still in the league? I mean, yeah, yeah, he occasionally runs into one, but it's just – why does this guy want the money that he's asking for this offseason? I mean, it's so insane to me how – One guy can be so full of himself, and it's it's confusing. I I have no other word for it. Yeah, and
0: I just um, I mean I just don't. I again the example that um, you brought up that we've been saying for quite some time. Like I feel like you have to be like if you're in the big leagues, like you do one thing amazing like you do something super super well like you can hit well you can put the ball and play well you can run the bases well you can throw well like field well whatever i just don't see anything that javi baez really does like well you know and to the point of yeah he'll hit one over the fence but is he really Helping your team. And the Mets went out and got this guy at the deadline. They had, I mean, I just, he's not an upgrade for me. When you're looking at that team, I think he makes that team worse before he makes that team better. And you're already in a crowded infield. You had um, had to move McNeil to the outfield tonight. I think McNeil's twice the player Javi Baez is, you know. And you when you've got to move him the outfield, Dom Smith's on the bench now, and yeah, he's struggling, but true form, just like him and Conforto, they're really, really, really good hitters. So when you're taking really good hitters out of a lineup and inserting them for a guy that... You know, will strike out a bunch. I just don't see it. Um, say what you want, and I will always dislike bias for some of the things that have happened in the past. Where I feel like he shows emotion, and that's fine. And then someone else shows emotion, and he gets very, very um, butt hurt about it. But. I really just think that it didn't matter what team he went to. I think he made that team worse than he does better, especially when you're you're moving around Jeff McNeil and taking out Dom Smith. Like, that just cannot happen. Dom
1: Smith's struggling, but is he really, like, worse than Javi Baez right now? I mean, it, 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 to and that, to that point you made earlier, um, you know – of, you know, major leaguers, you know, they do one thing well, you know, at least Javi Baez has, you know, those no look tags going for him, you know, see where that that's getting them right now.
0: I mean, I just, to me, I just, I don't get it. I, I really it's, and I want somebody to explain to me because This year, he made $11.6 million. I am just... I just don't get it, you know. um, Even this year, like, as much as Suarez has struggled, I'm still taking Suarez over Javi. I mean, I... To me, Suarez kind of filled holes when we needed, and... Yeah, he wasn't that good. Yeah, it didn't work out. But at the end of the day, he moved around when we needed him to. And he has had some very, very clutch singular at-bats, um, including the home runoff hater just a little bit earlier in the year. But to me, I just don't see an upside to adding. If you're the Mets, I just didn't see an upside to it. Um, like you had a very obvious um, hole in starting pitching, I thought. Um, especially with Degrom hurt, you know, you've got all these guys that are hurt, but that would, to me, it's like the equivalent if they tried to move India to the outfield to replace to replace him with bias. It just doesn't make sense. But moving on, um, I've, I've wanted to talk about this for a little bit. um, And I think it's a real interesting conversation right now, but do you think that Joey Votto has played his way into some MVP conversations?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you go you go on a tear like he has as of late, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, he has really single-handedly carried the load when, you know, guys like Cassianos, guys like Winker uh, have, you know, really been, you know, injured, you know, taken days off, you know w- – I mean, the resurgence that we've seen from him is just incredible. Um, You know, I think, what was the stat? Since June 24th, he's hit, like, 26 of his 28 home runs. It's insane. I I mean, and and the tear that he went on just last month, um, you know, breaking... uh, That home run streak, it's – for him, you know, at his age, to do what he's done is just so incredible. And, you know, it's really put this team in a position – in the position that we're in now, um, in a position to win, in a position to take that second wild card spot. And what was a – really favored San Diego team um, and, you know, a spot to where we can catch up to this really good Brewers team. And um, really, at the end of the day, I believe that he is – he he has just forced his way uh, into that conversation of – Uh, most
0: valuable player. Yeah. Um, So the reason I brought this up is because um, I read an article that MLB.com put out um, on the 18th and it was basically an MVP poll on who they think the favorites are. And for the NL, um, is number one, which I don't think is really surprising, because I mean he leads the National League in home runs and steals, and he leads the majors in slugging and OPS, while spending time on the IL, while moving to right field, and you know playing there with the addition of Adam Frazier and you've got cronenworth in there so he's shown that flexibility to where yeah he's not that all-star and defender out there and he's he's never going to be this like guy that never makes an error like he's he's going to make errors but he's also super athletic and hits all those home runs and barely strikes out and maybe not barely but you know what I mean. The home runs make up for it, and you know he's his OPS is over a thousand. So, but looking down this list, the second player that is on this list is Bryce Harper. Um, and the third player that is on this list is Max Muncie. Um, and When we are looking at it, the fourth player on this list is Jesse Winker. Those are three players that, if I'm going to be 100% honest, I think Joey Votto has played better than. Um, You know, I don't personally, I don't think he will win the MVP award because of Tatis and, you know, Before DeGrom got shut down, if DeGrom would have stayed on that pace, which is an unbelievable pace, but um, for me, I thought what really hurt DeGrom is he, one, he doesn't play every day. He's not a position player. Um, Two, if he goes out there and there's a start where, let's say he gives up five runs in six innings and he's not – the robot that he was on the mound that he actually shows that he is human. um, I felt like that was really going to push him back because his ERA was just going to balloon at that point where you're going to get an ERA. If his ERA was not under two, I felt like he wasn't going to win. And that's an extremely tough thing to do have an ERA under two, let alone mid twos, two eight, two nine, Like, that's hard to do. But when I'm looking at, like, to me, I just don't see Bryce Harper in the MVP conversation. And maybe it's – I've always thought – Bryce Harper was a little, um, and I don't want to say overrated, because he's been significant to the teams that he's played on. But, I mean, let's just be honest. It's the same way of, I cannot... To me, I don't get... like In 2019, he struck out 178 times. So... He's hitting 291 currently with 23 home runs, 52 RBIs, with an OPS of .972. Okay, Joey Votto's hitting 280 with 28 home runs, 81 RBIs, and has an OPS of .952. So I personally, I just think Joey Votto has put himself to where – he, he when he was on that home run streak where he was the second MVP candidate, like Bryce Harper, you kidding me? I mean, you know, and you know,
1: I feel like part of that is because Harper, Muncie, they all play in bigger markets, and obviously, MLB is going to, you know, promote those larger markets. And, you know, promote those players um, and, you know, make, make it seem a lot more exciting. Um, but, you know, even even at the beginning of the season, you know, Votto, when he wasn't on that tear, I mean, Votto was still hitting the piss out of the ball. I mean, he still had one of the highest exit velocities uh, in all of baseball um and then he goes on this absolutely berserk stretch where he's just hitting home runs left and right and you know he's he's driven in 81 runs this year he's got 28 home runs um i mean really the only thing that you know all these other guys have on him is batting average and you know, really there's other metrics to determine um, how good of a hitter someone is. You know, I, I think, you know, you could argue that Votto uh, should be in that conversation over Winker, um, you know, especially because of that stretch. So, you know, at the end of the day... Um, you know, it, it's just a list that someone in an office uh, <laughs> was was told to draw up by their boss. But you know, um, ho- hopefully he can be in that conversation by the end of the year, and people will start recognizing that he really does deserve um, to be in that conversation, and maybe to even be the MVP.
0: Yeah, and I I only bring this up because they this person will give the uh article a name, Thomas Harrigan, an MLB writer. The only reason that I bring this up is because yes, Tatis he's predicting Fernando Tatis gets 60 first place votes, which expected, you know. He, I think he's the clear and front runner. I think we all do, whatever. But then he thinks that Bryce Harper will receive nineteen, while Joey Votto will receive one. Um, To me, that's just crazy. If, if you, if you would say like ten and ten, or like twelve and eight, or like eleven and nine, I'm not gonna be like, okay, they're close. Like, it's not that. Really huge of a deal because you're fighting for second instead of third. You know, it's not a huge deal, but to be nineteen to one, that's just not not right. Um, And who would have thought at the beginning of the year we'd be talking about Joey Votto MVP? Joey Votto could have said he could have won it in 2017 and. Obviously, he won it in 2010, but I think it's a really interesting discussion to say who exactly has been more valuable to their team. Um, and to me, it's just clear in a way, Joey Votto. I mean, Reese Hoskins was on a tear for a while. Brad Miller was even on a tear for a while. They've got JT Rumuto. They've got a really good pitching staff, and Zach Wheeler um, who's also on this list. But, you know, they's in, they've got Winker with three first-place votes on here. I think he's got zero at this point because he is on the I.L. And he's not playing. And um, they've got Nick Castellanos with zero first place for the same reason. I mean, when you spend a significant um, amount of time that's not playing every day on the I.L., it's kind of hard to put you in that MVP conversation when you aren't leading the league and everything, like Fernando Tatis is. So, but um, yes, the Reds are in the NL, but I think A.L. MVP is pretty much sealed signed, sealed, delivered, got to be Otani, right?
1: Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, You know, as a two-way player, you know, to put up the stats that he's put up, far and away. I mean, you know, no one else in the league can say that they throw 100 miles an hour and hit 450-foot bombs to dead center. I mean – no
0: doubt in my mind that he's the AL MVP. I mean, they've got him with 91 out of 101 first-place votes. And honestly, I think it's probably more than that. It should be 100 out of 100. I mean, that's just, just like you said. I mean, he's got throws 100. Has a lower than three ERA. And then goes out and he's hit 40 home runs this year. I mean, clear in a way, I think it'll be unanimous. If not, very, very, very close. Um, This is baseball writers voting. Let's not forget that. So, There may be a little uh, bias that shows towards certain individuals, but to me, it's just not even a question. So here's maybe another interesting question that at least I am struggling with. Is David Bell in the running for NL Manager of the Year? Or is is it still going to be one of the three NL West teams? Does David Bell even have a chance to really move in?
1: You know, David Bell has done a terrific job uh, with the team uh, that he's been given. Um, And, you know, really that's not even saying much Because the team that he's been given is absolutely incredible Um, Maybe except the bullpen But um, overall, yeah, they'll, it'll probably just end up being one of those three NL West teams I believe that, you know, with the job that he's done He deserves to be in that conversation maybe Um, you know, at times, some of his decisions have been questionable, but, you know, that just comes with the manager job. You know, you're not always going to make the best decisions in hindsight. Um, but, you know, he has just worked his ass off, um, all year, um, for this team, uh, to try and, you know, come up with the best matchups, come up with the best lineup every day um, and just use the team that he's been given in, you know, the way that it should be um, in order to win ball games. So. And as a result, you know, we're in the position that we're in. Um, so I deserve that. I I believe that he deserves to, uh, to be in that conversation, but, um, you know, it'll probably just end up being one of those NLS teams, uh, knowing baseball writers, um, the disrespect that they give to small market teams, um, they'll probably end up being, Jace Tangler again or whoever it was last year.
0: Um Are, do you think uh Gabe Kapler's got a chance? I think Gabe Kapler's a favorite right now. Um that San Francisco team. I mean I I'm a. there wasn't one person, not one person that had at the beginning of the year in power rankings that had the Giants higher than like twenty fifth. And they have 80 wins right now. They have the most wins in baseball. So it's hard to like, you know, I don't think we can discount that at all. Um, You know, at the end of the day, let's just be honest, nine players have to go out there and play a game of baseball. But um, I'd be lying if I didn't say that um, manager decisions in game directly affect sometimes what happens in the game. Uh, for example, like, um, you know, I'll, I'll always go back to David Bell, but David Bell caught a lot of slack um, for one decision he made, which I technically um, speaking agreed with, but it was in extra innings at Great American. So bottom extras, and we took out Joey Votto for a pinch runner and put in Travis Jankowski. Well, we didn't score the run, and it ended up Joey Votto's turn. Got back in the order, and what do we know? Travis Jankowski's up to bat, which sucks. You know, you, you're you losing Joey Votto to someone who is, uh, let's just say, a low-average hitter. Um, and he caught a lot of flack for that, but it directly affected what happened in the game because you you can't just go from Joey Votto to Travis Jankowski and expect it to be the same. It's just not. Um, but to me at least, that one singular decision in extras, Jankowski is a plus runner. Joey Votto is obviously... Not, I wouldn't say he's um, the worst, but he's definitely not the best. So when you you're replacing Joey Votto, expecting that you score that run, you're not taking out Joey Votto for Travis Jankowski saying, "Well, if we don't score the run, he Travis Jankowski's okay." It's just not. So, but at the end of the day. I think nine ultimately, the players will always reign supreme. And that's why I've always kind of stood up for David Bell when um, you know, like for example, Michael Lorenzen early last year when he was blowing seemingly every game that he came in. are we if you're the manager, are you just gonna stop using Michael Lorenzen? I mean, he's a vital part of that team. And for the most part, like, let's just take the Yankees, for example. When Araldis Chapman, or even the Dodgers, Araldis Chapman and Kenley Jansen were struggling. These are guys that you really pay the big bucks. They are in this situation. They have been in this situation for many, many of years. I don't think that you can necessarily – just go away from, from that, and maybe that's a fault of mine. Um, that I think you stick it out, but we were paying Michael Lorenzen almost four million dollars, and while that doesn't seem like a big amount for the Reds, it is. Um, you know, we've got a lot of guys in the bull, especially the bullpen, that are really budget relievers that are getting paid less than a million dollars. So when you're talking someone that's getting paid four and five times that amount to not use him, I think would be idiotic. Um, but I've always stood behind David Bell in a sense that just like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty, And if it works, Nobody's ever going to say, Wow, David Bell made such a good move there. But if it doesn't work, people are going to point the finger at David Bell. So, for me personally, I think he's been just average. You know, he's never been this great, like Terry Francona. And you talk, you hear all these interviews about how, um, and, like, even when Trevor Bauer would always talk about him in interviews and how he was just such a um, he was a guy that you wanted to play for every single day, and that could always, you know, give you a kick in the ass if you needed it and was just a supreme manager. He was the cream of the crop. But he's not bad. like, He knows – he has to know what turns guys on and what turns guys off. And I will always, again, go back to this example of when David Bell sat Joey Votto for those three games and then he went off for the rest of the year. So, you know, maybe, again, fault of mine, but – I'm never going to sit there and point a finger at a manager. Um, you know, if you, if a blatantly bad decision like Kevin Cash in the World Series where you've got Blake Snell on the mound that is, you know, in a groove and, you know, one run scores and you take him out. But at the end of the day, like, if if you're making decisions that are in line with the game plan that you put out every single day. I'm never going to fault for guys that just don't deliver, like maybe Amir Garrett earlier in the year or Michael Lorenzen last year or Suarez this year. Um, and obviously he's changed it up a little bit because Moustakis is back and Jonathan India has been playing so well. But to me personally, I, will, I think I'm always going to be a huge David Bell, um, Supporter is not the right words, but I'm going to put up with average. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day,
1: he's only using what has been given to him by this front office. And, you know, it is up to the players to, you know, perform when he puts them in a situation that they need to perform. Um You know, same thing with the Jankowski situation uh, that you brought up. You know, they put him in to, you know, run for Votto. You know, it is expected that uh, the hitters that are, you know, that are hitting uh, while he's on base to drive him in. And, um, you know, you take that sort of calculated risk, Uh, Whenever you do something like that, because you want that winning run, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about winning. So, you know, David Bell has shown that he, he will do whatever it takes to win, in my opinion. And, you know, that's why I believe that he, you know, should at least be in that conversation of manager of the year.
0: So yeah exactly okay I think that is all we have for episode seven make sure you uh, stay in touch on social media and follow us and uh, we'll see you in episode eight